Hi everyone and welcome to this first episode in a series of podcasts created by us at Broadsword. Our guest today is Marnie Smythe who is with us to talk about accessibility events and the important work she's been involved with in moving towards positive change in this area. Marnie, thank you so much for joining us today in our first ever podcast. How about that? Thank you for having me. It's really exciting. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Um, so to kick off then, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your work with Purple Goat? Yes, so I am Marnie. I am a PhD candidate at the University of Huddersfield, but I also do freelance research for Purple Goat, um, primarily looking at DEI which is um, diversity, equality and inclusion. And we've recently been doing some work on events. Great, thank you. Um, and so we think there's still work to be done in our industry to address the barriers that make it more difficult for someone with a disability to attend events of all kinds, actually. Um, and part of a project we were involved in earlier this year for Innovate UK was about improving accessibility for breakouts at events and largely centred on the virtual experience and making sure everyone could contribute. So what do you think are the ways in which um, online events might be more or less accessible? Um, I think it depends on the type of disability. I think if you speak to a lot of people with physical disabilities like myself, we would say that um, virtual events are often more accessible because we don't have to worry about accommodation and travel and all those kind of things. But if you speak to someone who is maybe deaf, they can struggle virtually if they need a BSL interpreter because not all platforms are well set up to accommodate that. Um, and also sometimes, like for example, if you use BSL, subtitles means that you're not a part of the conversations if you've not got an interpreter there. You can only read the subtitles. You can't contribute without an interpreter. Um, so I think it really depends on the disability. But I think the primary thing to do is to speak to the individual. Um, because even two people with physical disabilities or two people who are deaf have very different needs. And it's about accommodating to the individual, not about just to try and blanket accommodate everyone. Right. And what more do you think organisers could be doing to make online events accessible? Um, I think definitely to consider getting BSL interpreters. I think that's a, a huge one because often, like I said before, subtitles, although it allows the uh, person to know what people are saying, they can't then necessarily communicate um, back or contribute to the conversation. Um, I think when primarily looking at online, I think the choice of online platform is really, really important. There's some platforms that are really bad for access. Um, from our research, Zoom is the best. So I would consider using Zoom because there's lots of shortcuts um, for keyboards, for people who are visually impaired. You can preset settings so you don't have to reset things every single time. Um, connection is a lot better. Video speed is a lot better for BSL interpreters. It means they're not lagging as a lot of um, platforms can lag really, really badly. So I think making sure you're on the correct platform and communicating with your attendees. Don't wait for them to ask you about accommodations. Put it in the um, invite or the email to say, if you need any accommodations, please get in touch with this person because quite often when you um, contact 
organisers for accessibility, you get passed from pillar to post before actually getting to speak to the right person. So being extremely clear on who you need to contact for accessibility is really important as well because people with disabilities, we work, we study, we don't necessarily have the time to be constantly chasing everything even though we have to. So to make things more accessible would make communication a lot easier and very straightforward. And just now we're, we're seeing a gradual return to live events um, and many people are saying that hybrid format is, is here to stay for a, a while now. What about you? Do you prefer to attend an event in person? I think it depends on the event. Um, if you were thinking of a conference and it was abroad, for me personally, I struggle. I've never been on a plane because of my wheelchair. I, the amount of wheelchairs that get broken on airplanes, I just don't go on one. Like It's not something I'm prepared to do at this moment in time until it's a lot safer for wheelchairs in terms of not getting broken to go on them. Um, so I would prefer to go virtually to that because then it means I'm not missing out on the um, event. But say, for example, it's a concert. Well, you want to be there. You want to be in the atmosphere of a concert. So it depends on the event purely. Absolutely. So for you in particular, with uh, most events from now on having a hybrid element to it, that's that's a good thing for you. Yeah, it just means I can also go last minute and not have to worry about, oh, let me make sure I can organise my care last minute around going because obviously people have shifts and changeovers and if suddenly you want to go to an event where that needs to change if, if your carers are able to accommodate that and things like it. But personally for me, like if I saw an event that was tomorrow, physically, I know there's no way I could go. But if it was virtual, I could just book on without a second thought. However, this is why... Again, it's important that um, events companies think like have BSL interpreters on virtual events as a standard and in physical as a standard because that means people can book on last minute just like anyone else. If you haven't already got a BSL interpreter booked, then chances are you're not going to be able to get one and that person's not going to be able to attend. Right. So... What advice do you have for others, perhaps, who might be nervous uh, about attending events because of their disability? Um, Just remember that you're not a burden. You have the same right to go to that event as anyone else, and that event needs to accommodate you. And be firm in what you need. Like, I know it can be really difficult. It can make you feel like you're being a burden, but you're not. You have that right to go. Absolutely. So... It'd be great to hear about any standout events then that perhaps you've attended, either virtually or in person, perhaps before the, the pandemic. And were you really impressed by the standard of accessibility? Um, have there been any? Um, I think Wireless Festival is probably the best major event I've been to. Um, the gate that we entered led straight to the wheelchair accessible platform. If you wanted to use it, you didn't have to use it. You could go in the crowd um, at if you wanted to but they also what was so different which I'd never had at any other event apart from the Olympics a couple of years later um, was a portable changing places toilet because myself and other physically disabled people a standard disabled toilet or disabled portal is not accept- is not accessible um, we need a hoist we need a changing plinth so to have that and be able to know that I can actually 
have a drink at the event and not have to not go all night without even a glass of water or a can of Coke or something alcoholic if I really wanted mm. to um, is a major thing because it's really something that is not considered a lot in events is that these changing places are so imperative. Right. So how about events then that might have been a bit lacking? What do you, Without naming names, of course, where might have they, have they have done better? I think the major thing that can often let events down is communication. Um, it's so difficult to find answers to questions you've asked from one person to another. So I think quite often that's the issue with events. There was one other event. It was, again, another festival and... To get to the platform, you had to go diagonally to it, and they were meant to let us in early, and they didn't. They let us in at the same time, so everyone was running against us to get to the front, because everyone runs to get to the front, and it was actually quite dangerous, because they weren't looking. They weren't looking where they were going. They were zoned in on the front of the stage, you know. It can be really dangerous. I think corporate-wise... All the events I've been to are have been relatively really good. Um, however, I'm very confident in what I need. I'm very firm and I won't accept people trying to not do things. Um, and for me, actually, at the event, as long as all the rooms are accessible and apart from the toileting issue, which um, I now don't have to worry about, I had a surgery, so I didn't have to worry about it, um, But apart from the toileting, for me personally, the major thing with events is the travel and the accommodation, like trains and stuff. But that's not necessarily on the event organisers. That's to do with trains and their preparation for someone with the wheelchair and things like that. Mm. Um, So I think, and I've got, like... I always think hindsight's a wonderful thing and there's always times you'll look back and think, well, that could have been done better. So I don't think, as long as events learn from it, Mm. I think that's the main thing. So for us as event organisers then, so what advice would you give us when we're planning events so that we're giving proper consideration to accessibility? Make it clear who's contact for accessibility information and listen to the people who are asking for accommodations. Um, Obviously, there's certain things you do, like making sure things are step-free, making sure, obviously, fire escapes are accessible. Mm. Um, But I really do think considering, as well, layout. So if you've got someone who's visually impaired or blind, is there a lot of hazards in the in the room like lots of things where people could trip over Hmm. is there a space people can go to if they just have had a bit of an overload and they need some time just to kind of calm down be on their own and being quiet is there like a a room that's set aside for that as i've said before changing places toilets Um, and i think almost with accessibility i say listen to the people asking for it but don't wait to be asked for certain things because there's very very personal accommodations that people might need but things such as a changing places toilet a bsl interpreter all those things you can book and 
if you're truly wanting to make an event accessible, you will book those things not worrying if they end up being needed by someone who's booked on they're there. Mm. And it's then not a worry for the person who's booking on. They can just book on like anyone else and potentially have a section on your event website about accessibility, about what accommodations you are already offering. So say you will have a beer center, say you will have a change in places because then that saves us bringing up and asking. That's very good advice. And are there any resources in particular that you think might help us? as event organisers? For example, like a practical one uh, might be for this podcast, for example, you know, obviously we'll we'll get a transcription done and we could use rev.com or there are other services in the cloud that will, you know, quickly transcribe this so it's available in, in kind of a written form. But any other resources that might help event planners? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, some research that we've just done um, with PurpleGo in collaboration with Broadwalk and... Um, Innovate UK was an engagement first project and within that report we covered all disabilities from physical disabilities, hearing disabilities, visual disabilities, um, neurodiversity and hidden disabilities and we covered the various accommodations that people with various disabilities would need. So I think that would be a really good um guide to what what you need but I think the best thing to do is to speak to disabled people and make sure you listen to what they need because the best person to say what they specifically need is the person themselves as I say I could need something as a physical as someone with a physical disability but someone with a different physical disability would need something else so going off what I need wouldn't necessarily help someone. Hmm. So do you think it's possible then to make an event accessible for everyone? I think it is the biggest thing to make an event accessible to everyone is to be flexible and accommodating and if someone's basically saying to you this isn't quite right this isn't working don't come back with oh well we tried our best and uh, this is what we could do and take on the feedback to improve Mm. so I think it's purely the way to make things accessible is purely to be prepared to make whatever accommodations are necessary and to be really flexible with that I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all solution to accessibility right And so finally, tell us what you're working on at the moment um, and in particular any events in the pipeline that you're planning to attend. So I'm currently mainly focusing on my PhD. I've got um, a deadline in March, so I'm all guns blazing. With that, there's a few um, university things coming up and there's a exhibition currently in Bradford, I think it is, that I'm looking to um, attend. So... I do have, well, I don't actually know when it is. Lisa Vina haven't let me know yet, but I have, I bought Stormzy tickets just before the pandemic mm. really started and obviously it got arranged for obvi- rearranged for obvious reasons. Yeah. So when that gets rearranged, if I feel comfortable going because I have been shielding, I am clinically extremely vulnerable. Right. 
so I'm just going to have to play it by ear if I feel comfortable going. That will probably be my first major physical event. Yeah. So I'm quite excited for that if I do feel comfortable to go. Mm. But yeah, that will be my first major um, physical event. Well, it sounds like there's plenty to keep you busy at the moment anyway. Um, so Yeah, to be honest, I don't really have time to be yeah. doing anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're really grateful, Marnie. Um, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time and sharing all of your insights. That's really useful for us as uh, event organisers. Um, and I'm sure our, our colleagues and peers will, will agree with that as well. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great that events company are really taking this seriously and looking into what they can do to be accessible. It's fantastic. Thank you. And so that's all we've got time for today. But if you'd like to connect with Marnie Smythe, you can contact her via purplegoatagency.com. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please let us know in the comments what you thought, and we hope you can join us on the next one. Bye for now. Bye.